This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.omf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. Thanks to John Walsh for the last two hours of great music and chat and John's inimitable wit. I'm John Purcell with you this morning until 10 o'clock. Later, we'll be talking to Detective Chief Superintendent Patrick Lorden, who's head of the Garda National Economic Crime Bureau, about the scourge of invoice redirection fraud, how much it is costing business and how you can protect yourself. Last Sunday, I visited Mountain View in Ballyhale and spoke to B. O'Grady about the impact COVID had ha- has had on the business, and I visited the farmer's market there in Met and talked to some of the stallholders. That was all, of course, before the change in COVID restrictions led B to shutter the market until things improve. Declan Rice of Leader will be talking to us about progress on the EU's Smart Village project, and Heidi Good of Goods Department Store in Kilkenny will be telling us about how this iconic store is facing life in these difficult times. But first, uh, joining me on the phone is Samantha McCochran, business editor of The Sunday Independent. Good morning, Samantha. Hi, John, how are you? Very well. It's been a very difficult week for all aspects of Irish life. Business not accepted. Yeah, absolutely. Um there's been a real focus on the hospitality sector, one that they wouldn't have wanted, I, I think, without a doubt. Uh, first of all, you had a, uh, a pub restaurant, apparently not a pub, but a restaurant uh, which was all over social media, sort of a partying scene, people having drinks. It was it was absolute outcry about this. And, you know, there's a lot of pubs still haven't even opened yet. Um, there was Irish Vintners Association were, were very upset about this and the Restaurant Association of Ireland I think it was more a restaurant than a pub, but it, it just put a very uh, difficult light on the whole sector, and especially for pubs that haven't opened yet, it sort of uh, felt like a step back for them, I suppose, in their efforts to get the so-called West pubs that only serve drink open uh, later this month. Yeah, and that was just in the early part of the week. Then in the middle of the week, we had the the, the, the announcement of more COVID restrictions and, and the kind of changing around and so on, which was hard for people to process, but it, it hasn't made business any easier, really. Well, exactly. So that was sort of, the, as you say, the start of the week. It was a, it was, a, there was a lot of attention on how they were going to try and work their way, perhaps out of lockdown. You know, it just became obvious that that was not going to happen. And as you say, on Tuesday, more stringent restrictions were put back in place. Uh, that just cast a bit of a, a negative light again over the hotel industry. Um, you know, we're writing about this uh, tomorrow in tomorrow's paper. For example, the wedding sector. Dozens and dozens of businesses depend on every wedding. You know, you've got your florists, you've got your cake makers, you've got your boutiques. Uh, they now, you know, are, are still stuck at, at 50, 50 people. And then even other events, you know, sort of six people. And then, of course, we had the, um, uh, the, the famous, infamous now, uh, golf gate, a golfing event in Clifton. Um, again, putting focus on what exactly is happening in hotels and not not positive for the hospitality sector. Again, a second piece of kind of controversy, controversial news over how they were actually dealing in reality with them, um, with the with the lockdown, and, and not not like a couple of negative examples is, is not what you want at this time. You want to see that restrictions are being uh, abided by, and 
so everyone can move towards more opening up of the restrictions rather than further clamping down. Because the reality is beginning to dawn. We're heading into uh, a long haul. The World Health Organization uh, saying during the week that, you know, this could be under control in two years. That's not welcome news. We're six months into it and a lot of people and a lot of businesses are kind of dangling at the end of tethers and so on. Yeah, so I think one of the anecdotal things from just talking to lots of businesses after the first lockdown, the restrictions were kind of eased a bit, was like, okay, we got through the first few months can we get through another set of restrictions? A lot of businesses feel that they maybe couldn't get through it. And and then, as you say, from a consumer point of view and just an ordinary people point of view, people are starting to realise they're heading into September, it's heading into winter, it's not going away. There was maybe some novelty factors with kids being off school for some people, you know, the initial work from home, some people didn't mind that. As you say, going into a long period of this is quite, uh, quite a reality check for us. And for businesses who are looking into maybe... as you, maybe up to two years, but even just thinking of six months of this and maybe like Kildare and Offaly Leash in and out of lockdowns, how that will affect business, how sustainable that will be. It is a really, really difficult time for businesses. Yeah, we heard the the uh, chief executive of Kildare Chamber in our news there talking about another thousand jobs will be lost in Kildare over the next couple of weeks and maybe two thousand lost already. Um, you know, there's still pain out there and, and maybe it's going to get worse and other areas may go into lockdown. We've heard of the uh, case numbers in Carlow and Kilkenny 14 in the last 24 hours. Yeah, so like I think um, um, some of the media are talking about, some of the economists are talking about this kind of a K-shaped recovery now, which, you know, there's been all these different... K steps. one, that's new. K, yeah, new. But basically part of the economy going up so you like you see some of the, like pharma and some of the big tech companies are doing really well there's not a bother on them and then there's a lot of other companies where it's just looking like very bleak and downwards so i mean i don't want to be too negative because obviously like we really do need to be positive as we can but the reality is for an awful lot of companies there's just no end in sight for this and like cash flow is it's just what keeps a lot of businesses going. They don't have a lot of reserves there. Um, and I think, you know, unfortunately, liquidations are inevitable. There's a lot of companies just haven't had to deal with that yet. They're not yet paying their rent. They're not, they're, they're holding off on paying, you know, revenue, uh, their VAT and tax and all that type of thing. So when actually that all comes home to roost, how many businesses will find that just not sustainable? So look, you know, we are hoping that everything, things recover more quickly than we expect. But I do think if you're heading into autumn, there's more lockdowns coming, there's further restrictions. It is like a very challenging time for businesses, no doubt about that. There is a thing called the Stockdale Paradox. I remember reading about it, which says uh, expect the absolute worst, but be totally determined that you're going to get through it. There are a lot of businesses like that. You're writing about the whole wedding sector, which is everything from hotels to photographers to DJs and so on. How you find that they're starting to adapt because like the future in terms of returning to normal ain't looking too bright uh, so there's a new normal is going to have to be found yeah so like they are adapting but like the problem is that the, the sort of grounds keep the ground keeps shifting so like you know if you're um uh, we're expecting that you could have outdoor events there's new restrictions on that so some people like we were speaking to for tomorrow's edition where you know hotels adapting their outside areas and kind of you know covered areas and uh, just making it more suitable for a couple of hundred people maybe to be outdoors and then the restrictions come in that that's not going to be okay so companies are doing their best and like for example cake companies are now making smaller cakes for weddings and coming up with kind of trendy cool designs to sort of appeal to a smaller group uh, small and a smaller cake therefore so the people you know companies are great at adapting a business 
you know, at the end of the day, businesses are very adaptable and will come through this, but just in a very different shape and maybe in a different in different numbers for the, for the short term. But it's just difficult that if you're adapting your business, and it's been the same with Brexit as well, like the, the forgotten kind of big issue that's looming there as well. But, you know, just certainty is what business needs. It can invest then in adapting. But if things keep changing, it's really very difficult. Yeah, whoever thought Brexit would be kind of a page three sort of um, issue or a page five in, in a newspaper. I know, yeah. but, Although but I know um, it, people are starting to say it is, it, is, it is going to become a big thing sooner rather than later. But anyway. Yeah, what's your view on, on where we're at in the whole thing? Some of the British uh, papers today saying like, look, oh, the EU, you're pushing us towards a no deal. It does kind of look like that. Like, it does seem that things are very, very tense at the moment. And Britain uh, itself has been fairly uh, adamant in the, in the path it's going to take. I think, you know, the odds, again, of an OD Brexit are definitely, like, uh, you know, the reality of that is much, is much more likely. And it's just, um, it's, a, it's a difficult time for uh, a lot of businesses. And, and you know, we've had a change uh, there in... Um, in, uh, in, in, in minister for the minister for agriculture and and, and, that, and that sector needs a lot of support from government. It's got huge challenges with the Brexit uh, as well as all the other things like COVID, etc. So look, it, it, it's going to be um, something that is difficult. I think you know, you know, looking back, looking now with the COVID eye, you kind of think Ireland would muddle through with a lot of the Brexit issues like customs and all that type of thing, but um, there are you know a lot of headwinds coming together, unfortunately, which which is which is, is, is difficult. Yeah, um, you mentioned uh, agriculture agriculture facing into the third minister, I think, in as many months. Uh, and that creates real difficulties. It, it delays decision-making um, because presumably departments will be saying, well, we've no minister at the moment. It de- delays a minister being up to speed because the first one gets up to speed is gone, second one up to speed is gone, and now a new one will have to come in. That's very difficult. And the agri-industry, not just farming, but like food production, processing and all that sort of stuff, it's a huge industry. It's absolutely massive. And, um, you know, before COVID even came along, there, there was... Um a lot of challenges. You know, the whole green sustainability issue is putting pressure and change into the whole farming um, agri-food business. Um, you got the Mercosur deal, which was that, which was big news last year when the South American markets were open to, uh, for them to import into, into, into Europe. Um, then, you know, COVID has been massively of an impact on, the, on, on that sector as well because all the restaurants were more or less closed and you know, food services, selling into restaurants, catering, etc., is a very, very substantial part, not just in Ireland, but internationally for Irish farming. Um, so, look, apparently the brief is like 800 pages or something for a minister in, in, in the Department of Agriculture. It's a huge body of work. There's loads of issues. It's really complex with the EU uh, playing a huge role in, in what happens in Ireland. And, uh, and then we have, as you say, Brexit, COVID, all those things on top of just the normal kind of challenges that face um, that sector. So, yeah, look, they need continuity. I have no doubt the person and the plans appointment, whoever that will be, the idea will be that they'll be there for a long time. But there's just a lot of change and uncertainty. And this year has just been one of just, like... If it was a description, no one would believe it, what's happening for, for, for businesses and for, for politics as well. Samantha, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for joining us. Samantha McCochran there, uh, business editor with the Sunday Independent, giving her take on events of the last week and the business environment. Coming up uh, after the break, I'm going to be visiting the Mountain View Farmers Market in South Kilkenny. 
The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small. At the heart of it all. At the heart of it all. KCLR. Bio Grady, we're here at Mountain View on a rather overcast Sunday, but there's a great crowd around. Tell us about 2020 for Mountain View. You started the year, weddings, full calendar and so on, but it's been a very difficult year. Oh, John, you're welcome to Mountain View. Um, Bit overcast today, all right, but I suppose, yeah, look, there is a good few people around actually still and, you know, social distancing and they're just wandering around and 2020 was going to be a great year for, I think for all businesses, 2020 was going to be a good year, but I suppose Mountain View, it was the first year we were going to have a full wedding calendar and COVID put an end to it and to the brides and it kind of disillusioned a lot of brides now, but they postponed till next year. And hopefully next year will happen for them. I suppose this year then we had to kind of reinvent ourselves a little bit. And I suppose being a palliative care nurse, I I looked at how people were going to get out safely. I suppose that was the risk assessment that I was doing initially. And I think the outdoors was the only way to get people out. So uh, my two daughters decided that they'd come up with a market strategy for traders and then we thought well maybe that'll help people trade as well and that it'll generate businesses and promote businesses as well within the locality and a lot of local businesses so it just started um, we got in touch with Sean McArdle from the Irish Farmers Market Association oh, market. <laughs> there you go yeah. That's we've it. been photobombed the interview equipment, uh, equivalent of being photobombed but yeah. <laughs> that's why you're on yeah. we're showing them out next week now because they, they photobomb everything <laughs> Um, No, so it's good. And even for the likes of Iran, you know, they couldn't open the cafe or whatever and they're delighted out here and people can come and get their produce and that's really what it's all about. So describe for people listening at home, describe the setup here in Mountain View today as on a a Sunday afternoon. Uh, I suppose it's, well, it starts early, John. It starts at half seven in the morning, a little bit earlier than I thought it would start actually in my naivety, but all the traders arrive and then they're given their allocated uh, spots you know some cancel on us some don't you know but Sean runs it and he runs a tight ship with it and he puts them all into their little places and spreads out the social distancing and you know with his measuring tape and everything so it is done well and then by 11 o'clock the area is cleared and we get ready set up for the public to come in then and they do they come in a steady stream all day they come they flow through till about half three and then we close up then around four o'clock and everybody seems to go home very happy because they've all done well and the local support and Abroad, you know, from around the whole community, Kilkenny, Washford, Wexford, Tipperary has been amazing actually. But it just shows you that there was probably a need for something like this. And they, they're good, at so people are good at social distancing, they nearly know they're imposing it on themselves now, so they're good at it. They don't have to be told, nobody has to be told or reminded to do anything. People are generally very good and very respectful of, and you know, the market holders themselves they mask up, they glove, you know, everything. So I suppose from a nursing point of view, I'm carrying out my own inspections and all the the stalls every day that they come in just to make sure everything is right. And we've a lot of sanitising stations and everything around the place. So, you know, you make it as safe as possible. But I think the key to it is they're outdoors. And that's the key. And a one-way system for people. One-way system. And everyone gets it. We're like sheep, really, you know. So if anyone goes down the wrong-way system, then, you know, it does go into carnage, all right. But look at people 
are very respectful and people don't want um, things like this to close and they know they want to keep it open because it means they can come out and the businesses are, are doing well out here a lot of local businesses so just to describe for people you have a covered area where there's some very nice uh, kind of light jazz music going on and a couple of stalls around it and then there must be 40 stalls there's about 38 stalls in today John and I suppose the area uh, that's covered in is the former uh, kind of machinery hay shed whatever it would have been you know so we converted that during COVID and just got it all ready to go and just cleaned it up completely you know clinical and it's just when it, it's gone when everyone's gone in the evening it's just a, a blank space so it's a blank canvas and it's good because they come in then and they set up and they're delighted with that space and you know in the evening they just go and it's all done then you know and great support from the local community great, I saw uh, TJ Reid here gosh, earlier on and Henry's a, a neighbour but look they did just have to walk through the field you know TJ but TJ still drove I couldn't believe it and he just he lives closer from where you're standing He's John TJ just seed, lives really. over there I can't believe he walked down or he drove down actually yeah. but <laughs> Neve, Neve made him drive you know. even fitness were, gurus need no, a day off I think they were off, out last night so maybe that had something to do with it <laughs> <laughs> absolutely but a, a great spread of visitors I would imagine from the region not just from the South Kilkenny area huge John and you know they're coming from Tipperary they're coming from there was people from Dundalk here last week lots of people down in Kilkenny on their staycations and then they're coming out to the market on the Sunday so for something to do um, last week now we've seen a huge amount of people bringing their picnic blankets and you know bringing and sitting out and having a little kind of Sunday lunch in the outdoors and it did look great because they had the weather and they looked safe as well which was the your most. restaurant um, up uh, on up the hill I suppose yeah, for want of a better yeah. description you haven't opened that at the moment but we a huge have. demand yeah no we, 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 would you believe John we have opened the restaurant ah, sorry not on, today not yeah. today yeah, we have opened on uh, Friday and Saturday, so we will go back to doing Sunday lunches in September again, but we just wanted to give the market traders a chance because there's a lot of food stalls here, and if we opened the restaurant, we felt it would take from them making some money. So, look, at we make a few pounds on a Friday, Saturday, and they make it on a Sunday, and I think it's about giving back as well, you know. We, we can't take it all, and, you know, they're actually more important because they survive on this all year round, and they're little stall holders. They don't have alternative businesses. You know, the likes of Iran had to cut down their cafe you know they've all got overheads so it's important to let them have a go and just make a few pounds to keep their business and staff employed and that was the key to it really you know you're keeping uh, this market the farmers market going until the end of august but with an indian summer which we are due is it conceivable that it might extend beyond the end of august john yeah we we thought about okay right what would we do would we just go once a month and just have one really good market once a month but the need the stallholders are telling us that if we could keep it going to keep it going if the you know if the people come so we'll keep it going as long as the people come if the crowd wanes off or if covid changes anything then we look at it you know we look at it constantly on a weekly basis and obviously with social media and everything we can keep everybody updated really good on it you know yeah my name is claire manning and uh, myself and jessica are the proud owners of a little stall called the best and what we do is traditional south african food which is uh, the well-known one is a brewer's roll which is basically a hundred percent uh, beef sausage you know the Irish know the pork so we're doing a little bit of the opposite which is a beef sausage and then we've got some Prego rolls which is pretty much like a Nando's uh, but again homegrown spices back home to bring in the taste of South Africa here and 
And then we've also got some 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 desserts as well, which is called a cook sister, which is a deep fried donut drenched in syrup and then covered with chocolate sauce. Or you can have a plain, which is traditional. And we're here at the um, artisan um, market here at, at Mountain View. And, and it's a beautiful spot because as I look behind you, I see the rolling hills of South Kilkenny. How's it been going for you? It's It's been great. The, our opening was just, I mean, we had so many South Africans here. Everybody loved it. I mean, Irish, South African, we were all in it here. And then I think weather last week, everyone was at the beach, which is to be expected. And again, here today, people have se- seem to have come out again today. But it's a wonderful day out. It really is. I mean, all different tastes and flavors and smells. And how long have you been operating the best? This is our third week, actually. So we brand spanking new. Oh, right. Yeah. So uh, starting in COVID, how you found all the new regulations and so you gotta, on? You've got to toe the line. You know, you've got to put wear your mask. You've got to cook with a mask, gloves at all times, constantly washing hands. I mean, everybody kind of respects the social distancing as well. Um, it's been very well handed for, handled from that perspective. As you're coming in, you've, you know, you wash your hands. So it's we've been lucky actually and are you getting a good reception from the people here at Mountain View yes a wonderful reception we've 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 been looked after we've had some newbies we've had we've had a lot of Irish try, try our sausage so we're getting there slowly it's still early days there, though it's early days Bart from Iran you featured earlier on when you made a, an unscheduled appearance during the interview with uh, B um, How's it going for you? You've you've uh, swapped uh, uh, Kilkenny City Centre for the beautiful surrounds of Mountain View here in South Kilkenny. We hi, <laughs> yeah, we basically had to change our business model completely, you know. So, so now we're doing markets, and the bakery is uh, is where the restaurant used to be, like a full-blown bakery now, you know. And how's Iran doing? Or how long are you uh, since you opened the doors pre-COVID? Uh, well. We are, we all, we were only closed for two weeks during COVID. As soon as the like back then the T-Shock said well, you can be a takeaway and a shop, you know, we converted completely. But Iran only opened about a year ago, I think. Wasn't yeah, it? exactly. Like it was. 23rd of July, it was a year. Uh, 23rd, 2019. Yeah, and it's yeah. been a great success, all things considered. Like people queuing down the street at the height of, of COVID when you reopened again for your famous pizzas. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, and COVID pizza, pizza Bart. Yeah, <laughs> it was nice. It was something like it wasn't. It was a project. We we did this to um, keep the moods up, and because everything was closed to to just have to just give something to people you know give something fun and tasty because everything was closed so it wasn't it wasn't to be open really it was something to do something fun you know so we knew how to make pizzas and then we said hey why not you know and so looking back over your first year in business it's been quite a roller coaster what lessons have you learned uh, don't try to put all your dreams into one box you know because Aron is the f- like Aron is Aron is trying to get all our dreams into this one little place and uh, and yeah it's not it's not uh, we should have done it like maybe played it a little differently but maybe who knows if we played it differently it wouldn't be like it is now you know but we weren't expecting COVID. yeah we weren't expecting COVID. okay so what about the the next year uh what have you got planned or is it too too unreasonable to plan in such uncertain times we're doing markets <laughs> so we just started we have this uh, uh, mountain view in Ballyhale and it's going great and then we got offered a market in Dublin and Whelan's wine shop like next around it we, last week was this Friday was uh, first time uh, and it went great as well so I think bakery the, the next year is, is, is under the sign of, of baking because the bakery uh, you know the bakery doesn't need to have open tables and apparently by the looks of it the COVID is coming back 
to hunt us. Uh, so takeaway and bakery, I think that's that's the that's the future. Like change business models, rethink everything, and then start again. Jim Harding from Nature's Elixir. Jim, uh, Irish people love a cup of tea, but you've brought it to a whole new level here at the Mountain View Farmers Market. We sell real herbal teas, not the sort of stuff you get in tea bags, but the real, the old medicinal herbs. We import them from the Greek islands, and there are things there to help you sleep, for anxiety, for weight loss, detoxing for your skin, for your brain, uh, covers everything. And how's it going for you? It's going very well, going very, very well. We're getting a lot of repeat people coming back, maybe things that help them get through with anxiety during the day, like linden or lemon verbena, or people that are trying to lose fluid, water retention, which is which is the hardest way to lose. But good herbs are diuretic, so they, they will flush out that fluid for you. So I would imagine it's nearly like a tea consultation you carry out with people. Well, very well put, yeah, very well put, it is. Uh, I mean, for example, people will come and say, what do you have for sleep? So I would ask them, is the problem going asleep or, or are they waking up at four in the morning and, and can't go back asleep? So I would give them a different herb depending on which one that they, uh, which issue they have with sleep. And how did your interest in specialist tea arise yourself? I visited five years ago one of the Greek islands, Ikaria, and it's the island where people live to be the oldest in the world. So, uh, as you do on holidays, I bought two herbal teas, came home, threw them in the kitchen press and forgot about them. Then I developed a chest infection about two months later and antibiotics wouldn't clear them up. And I remember that one of the herbs was for the chest. So I started taking it and I noticed an immediate improvement. So I've been in the business now for five years ever since. As well as the herbal teas, we would do specialist soaps like Dead Sea Black Mud, which has been voted the best soap in the world. We also sell an oil that the, the famous Spartan warriors used to put on their bodies after battles. It's fabulous for arthritis, sciatica, joint pain, muscle pain, bad skin conditions, burns, cuts, even, even scars, they say. But as somebody said to me, if it's good enough for the Spartan it's good enough for us. And how's business? Covid must have been a, a lar- rather large obstacle. Covid was a massive obstacle. We're gradually coming out of it, but we were we would have been booked to do things like Taste of Dublin, Taste of Donegal, Monaghan, Cavan, all the big taste festivals. All of those are gone. So uh, an event like this or a market like this must be a godsend. It is. It is. Uh, people are lovely. They're always good to have a chat with. Um, so it's, it's a pleasure to come down here. Jim Harding from Nature's Elixir speaking to me last Sunday at the Mountain View uh, Market in Ballyhale. And sadly, during the week, uh, B. O'Grady, who runs Mountain View, took the difficult decision to suspend the market in the light of the changes in the COVID-19 situation. So text in asking, uh, can anyone take a stall at the market? Unfortunately, the market is on ice at the moment, but uh, hopefully back in the future. We considered not running that piece, but I thought it was important to get uh, an idea of what the market means for people doing business there and therefore the importance of everyone working to get the COVID situation under control. But while the market is suspended uh, for the moment, the Greenhouse Restaurant remains fully operational and indeed is back doing Sunday lunch and they're offering dinner on Friday and Saturday nights and lunch on Saturday and Sunday. So that was 
the Mountain View market. So do support responsible local small business. Let's all stick together and get this COVID thing under control. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.omf.ie now, Kilkenny's Phil Hogan is a man attracting a lot of unwelcome headlines over the last 24 hours due to his attendance at the Oireachtas Golf Society event in Clifton during the week, which is now being called Golfgate and which is sure to enter the annals of political infamy in this country. Well, this next item does involve Commissioner Phil Hogan, but has absolutely nothing to do with that. About 18 months ago, I carried out a public interview with the EU Commissioner in Castlecomer about the EU Smart Villages initiative, a project aiming to make life in smaller towns and villages more sustainable in a rapidly changing and urbanising world. Now, Kilkenny Leader Partnership recently held a briefing on the project for community groups in Ballykeefe Amphitheatre. After the event, I sat down with Leader CEO Declan Rice and asked him to explain what the Smart Villages project is all about. Well, Smart Villages is a concept, as they say, which emerged from the EU about uh, two years ago. Um, our own commissioner, Phil Hogan of Agriculture at the time, um, sort of was the, I suppose, supporter and mentor of it over there. And the idea was to try to give a counterpart or counterbalance to the theme of smart cities, which is an awful lot about uh, digital connection, broadband, Wi-Fi, Internet of Things. And were felt by a lot of people that there needed to be a rural counterbalance or rural areas were going to uh, suffer and villages which in a European context is, is small towns to us as well as villages needed to uh, think on their feet quickly and look at what smart meant. And it's a, an exciting concept and it taps into a desire for people to have good quality of life living outside large urban centres. Oh, I think we, in the last uh, six months have proven that you know things have changed, we have have adapted more to technology and not just technology, different ways of living, different smart ways of living, some of it forced on us uh, and things that, w- that would have taken maybe half a decade or a decade have happened in six months in regard to technology and the way we, we uh, operate from a whole part of, uh, of things. But also, as you say, uh, if rural life and rural communities are, and it's beyond villages, it's about the overall parish, as they say, or natural you know, area of, uh, you know, of identification. If they're to, to, to thrive, they have to think differently. Otherwise, they're going to lose out. And you had a, a an innovative briefing event in these COVID days in Ballykeefe Amphitheatre just last week. Uh, a really good attendance at it from all sorts of villages, let's call them. Uh, how did that go down and what were you talking to people about and what were they saying? Oh, it went down really well. We were really surprised by the level of interest. I suppose to some degree it was, was a natural fact that people was the first out, outdoor opportunity for people to meet in a long time. But, the, but beyond that, the level of engagement and the level of, of, of really understanding of the concept once you got beyond the jargon was really uh, heartening um, people came from all over the county um, usually when you have an event as one part of the county you 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 know you get people from that part but we we had in you know Valley Keep Amphitheatre as you know was outside Kilmana we we had people there in the day from Sleeve Room on Levat Moon Coin you know Pilltown all over um, you know as well as in northeast northwest you know and and central the county and people were sort of embracing um, the idea that they could be smart 
uh, and that goes beyond digital. Yeah, I was going to say that a lot of the conversations come back to or in, seem to come back to over the years to the availability of broadband, but it's kind of going beyond that. Broadband is being tackled, uh, but what are the other issues? Well, broadband has been tackled, but there's are issues with it as well. Broadband actually won't. The National Broadband Plan will not cover the smaller villages and, 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 and towns, the larger villages. It, 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 there's about 25 villages it won't cover, uh, and that's important. You know, we need more than Kilkenny City and the main, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to have fibre to the home. Because really, we all realise now, having broadband in itself is a question of quality. How much do you have? What does it cost you? Because this is going to have an effect on how you, bu- you build your business, where you live your life. So, but it's more than that, as you say, John. It's about uh, how attractive a place is to live in. And I say attractive, not just from the, the scenic, uh, you know, and beauty of a place. That's important, though. Uh, but also from the point of view of, you know, can you get there? Can you, can you, can you, uh, are, are there services there? You know, can you work there? Um, how, you know, how will the, does, does it, I suppose, from the point of view of meeting other criteria people have for culture? You know, people get, you get very, very grand notions. But culture isn't necessarily just a Kilkenny Arts Festival. Great knowledge it is to see, you know, Kilkenny X this, this last fortnight. It's about the more maybe prosaic types of culture and heritage we have, which are important to people's sense of well-being and how they, how they make those decisions subliminally, really, you know, where they live, where, where, they, want, where they want to be involved with. It's about also, you know, more and, more and more about nature and environment and, you know, the ability to, to live in an area and get out and about and experience that type of stuff. If a smart community is one that takes all these into account and plans accordingly. So there will be a digital connection, as in uh, there may be mobility and transport issues, but there will also be looking at the wider social, cultural and environmental elements which makes a village or town, which then influences a parish and, and a, a community. So it, it, it's the start of a process, and we're hoping that what we're going to do is get people starting to think in these terms. And where does the process go from here? You had your initial briefing. Um, where does it go next? We're going to have five more of these events. They'll be around the county. They won't necessarily all be uh, outdoors. We'll see. COVID is obviously hanging over us all like a sword of Damocles but you know we will try to get around and we will try to make them uh, into events people want to come to that are fun uh, in the sense that they're educational uh, and stimulating and we all, we will uh, probably start to focus more on some of the teams uh, you know on the whole idea of okay what can people aspire to what should they aspire to from the point of view of digital connection and mobility you know what can be done Connectivity, or you know, uh, how how do how do we how do we work this? So over the next you know year, uh, or tw- 12, 14 months, we expect that we're going to get more and more uh, de- in, in more and more sort of a detail, really not boring detail, but that people will have a really good idea of what they can do themselves in their area, and that they, that will then allow them to talk to the likes of ourselves and other uh, funders and policymakers and say this is what we want for our village. Declan Rice, Chief Executive of Kilkenny Leader Partnership, talking to us about the EU Smart Villages Initiative. Now, I was absolutely gobsmacked to see that in August, uh, the Bank of Ireland reported to the Garda National Economic Crime Bureau that a business customer of theirs had been the victim of an invoice redirect fraud and had lost just over, wait for 2.1 million euros in the last uh, couple of weeks. Online fraud, invoice fraud and all that. It's always uh, talked about 
very much as if it happens to somebody else but it could actually impact you whether you're a furniture shop a corner shop or indeed a large multinational in Carlock Kenny I'm joined on the line by Detective Chief Superintendent Patrick Lorden of the Garda National Economic Crime Bureau uh, good morning Chief Superintendent how large a problem is this for business Good morning, John, and I'm delighted with the introduction you've made because it's such a large problem at the moment that it can affect affect every business from small to large. Uh, So far this year, John, we have seen businesses lose over 5 million euros in the first seven and a half months, Um, and regrettably, the majority of that money is never recovered. So it's a great opportunity for me to talk to you this morning about trying to help people to save money. Yeah, now often there's a perception that this kind of fraud involves very naive people clicking on emails that are from Middle Eastern princes who are offering them 50 million uh, euros and you want to be an awful mug to fall for it. But it's very sophisticated and it's gone way beyond that. It is, it is. You're dead right. Um, This is very sophisticated, but yet it's very simple. Um, and I'll explain that uh, by saying that the, the technology used by the criminals in the background is quite complicated and sophisticated. But at the end of the day, somebody, and normally that's a human being or your payroll person or your accounts person, has to make a decision to change bank account details. And that's a physical and mental decision made by somebody in your business. And tell us about the uh, episode to the Dublin company uh, where they ended up losing 2.1 million euros. What happened there? Yes, it's very similar to most of the others. Um, Basically, what will normally happen, John, and happen in this case, uh, you will be contacted by one of your suppliers um, or you will be contacted by somebody that you owe money to. uh, And they will say to you, we have reason to change our bank account details. They may use an excuse, something like, we've had a fight with our bank, we're not getting on our bank, we're doing online banking with a different bank. Or a typical example is that we're moving it for financial reasons, the business isn't going that well. And that story then is followed up by an email, uh, maybe by a phone call, just telling you that this is all okay, John, you can change your bank account details. Uh, In this scenario, what happened was the company uh, had a very, very good system in place and the advice on the email was if they were in any doubt whatsoever about this change of bank details that they could contact the company direct. The person did this, but the failing they made was they contacted the company direct with the phone number that was supplied on the email from the criminal group. So obviously, when, when John rang the supplier, John was actually talking to the criminal, and the criminal was very verifying that everything was all okay to go ahead with this change. And this often happens in that people um, can be a bit lazy and not look up the phone number that they have for John in the company that they normally deal with. They use the phone number on the email that they've got from the criminal group. So once the person in, in, the, in the company is happy that the bank account can be changed, they set about changing the bank account details. They can do that in a matter of seconds in their own company. You've probably done it yourself when you change from one company, a phone company, to another company. And the next thing, the payment has gone out. We were very lucky in this case in that um, the customer realized they'd made a mistake very quickly uh, and the bank were on the case very quickly. And we were made aware of it very quickly. And I suppose everything came into line in this one in that we have fantastic contacts with the 
police within the financial intelligence unit within Hong Kong um, and we were able to get in contact with them. Our response time actually was seven minutes from getting a response from Hong Kong from the time I sent a message to them, wow. uh, which is spectacular. Absolutely. Um, um, presumably people then should approach everything with suspicion, with a healthy degree of suspicion and check, out, check everything out with people that you know. Yes, I suppose it spans a few different areas, John. For your people listening this morning, while it might be invite redirection, you know, people say it's a bogus invite. It is not. The invite is always real. So you owe this money to somebody. The problem is the person that's now asking you to change the detail is not the person you owe the money to. And if you pay the money to the criminal group, I'm sorry to say it, but you still owe the money to your customer. Um, The email can come from the person that you owe the money to. Likewise, it could come from your chief executive officer or come from your finance officer or a partner. It could come from your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister. We've seen all of the above. So you need to be sure that the email that you've got from your partner in the company or your brother or sister working with you in the company is real. Because we've seen at the very start of COVID, um, a gentleman lost 20,000 euros. He was actually in having a medical appointment, not related to COVID. But uh, his wife got an email while he was in hospital that day to say transfer 20,000 euros. So it's not just uh, coming from your supplier all the time. So yeah. we, call, we call the whole package business email compromise, but it can be either an invoice redirection uh, or a CEO fraud, as we call it, when it's coming from somebody within the company. The supplier sometimes has their emails compromised. So the email that you're sending back to the supplier is not getting to the supplier. It's being diverted by the criminal. Mm. Finally, um, uh, Patrick, if you could, could you just give some quick advice on what to do for a business if they've been subject to this? Phone the yes. Garda, presumably, immediately. Yes, no problem. Uh, I suppose mainly do not change bank details for anybody unless you speak to somebody within the company that you know. That's mm. the first piece of advice. Keep it simple. Um, you also um, need to look at where is the IBAN that you're putting into your bank account? Where is the IBAN? Is it an Irish account? Is it a UK account? Is it a Hong Kong account? Where is it? Why would a company in Mayo have a bank account in Wexford, for example? So that's something. And you can just go online and get a free IBAN checker to do that for you. You can do that in a matter of seconds. I suppose the main thing is if you realize you've been stung in this way, the main thing is contact your bank immediately and ask them to recall the money but also make contact with your local Garda station and report it immediately. And make sure that the Garda that you report it is aware of the urgency of it, and then he can make contact with our office if need be. Okay, Detective Chief Superintendent Patrick Lorden, thank you very much for that very wise and practical advice. That was uh, Detective Chief Superintendent Patrick Lorden from the Garda National Economic Crime Bureau giving some useful advice on the whole area of invoice redirect fraud. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.onf.ie. At the heart of it all. At the heart of it all. KCLR. Heidi Good from Goods Department Store in Kilkenny City Centre. Uh, you reopened in June the 8th uh, and you've got about little over two months business under your uh, belt since then. How's it been in this new COVID era? It, it's been an interesting time. It's been a challenging time. Um, we 
been very encouraged by the support we've got from the the Kilkenny people and and the county and the environs who who are coming in uh, and enjoying the shop. But it, it, they are difficult times, and people are still nervous. Sales are aren't what they would have been. We've lost over two months of sales, so it, it's good to be back. It's good to be open. Uh, we're encouraged, but still challenging. It's an ongoing journey as well and a need for continuing um, evolution of, of retail as well. And, and you're starting to do that with the announcement of, you know, during the week, uh, the government asking people who are vulnerable to limit their shopping exposure and so on. And you're adapting to meet those needs. Yeah, we are, because we're, we're conscious that, um, you know, we're a women's fashion retail store. Um, women in particular, I think, find that, you know, enjoy the shopping experience, enjoy having a browse. And if you do fall into a vulnerable category <clears throat> we wouldn't want people to to miss out uh, on that experience over the next uh, coming months so we're more than happy to make appointments either for before we open in the morning or in the evening um, and given the kind of the size and shape of the shop we can we can manage a few appointments at any one time so if you want uh, to come in and browse the lingerie just want to browse the store you want to avail of the beauty bar uh, go look, get a pair of shoes We're, but you're really not happy about going out and about in the normal hours uh, ring us, email us, message us on Facebook and, and we'll accommodate and it's that. important to stress that there are no barriers to that, you don't have to buy anything if you come in absolutely not uh, and I know and I'm, you're right because you know, you kind of maybe feel, oh, I've made an appointment and, and I'm browsing here and actually, you know what, today I don't, I don't uh, see anything or want anything. Absolutely no pressure at all. That's just it, having a nice shopping experience and that's what that's about. So, so it'll be quiet and it's likely that you won't be the only person in the shop as well because I think people sometimes think when they hear shopping by appointment, kind of Harrods been opened for some, you know, Middle Eastern princess who'll come in and buy everything out of the Louis Vuitton uh, area. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, new, it's a new way of shopping for it's new It's a new era, way of shopping era. and we'll do our very best if there's only, you know, a couple of appointments on the morning to make sure that there'll be lights on, music on, there'll be people around you. Uh, we'll, we'll do our very best to make you feel uh, comfortable at home and again, you find something you want to buy, absolutely. If you don't, then uh, we'll see you soon. Um, you mentioned about the whole uh, shopping experience and, and retail is very much a, at its best, is very much an experience. Um, online, we hear a lot about bricks and mortar and goods has always been renowned for the experience, but you're starting to adapt in that area as well and you're developing new offerings. We are developing uh, new offerings. I think uh, for many businesses like ourselves who haven't got a great online presence, the pandemic has, has fast forwarded that. So we're, we're, we're working on that over the next few months and hopefully we'll have a new online experience for our customers uh, going forward. Um, the key thing is, um, you know, about local retail is that people actually know the people many times uh, and people would be able to give them feedback that you'll never get online. Absolutely. Um, I think you, you, the great thing about online is it, it complements uh, the, the bricks and mortars. And But I think, you know, we'd always recommend um, that at least sometimes you come into the shop into any shop in town in Kilkenny because Kilkenny is a wonderful place to shop uh, and talk to the, the people who know the product and get the best advice. Then you can always, you know, once you start getting the feel or you get caught for time, then you, you can purchase online as well. A feeling this week that we've had a bit of a, a setback, so to speak, but the show must go on, as we've been saying in the radio station and, and across business. How are you feeling about the future as we face into kind of the autumn and winter of the year? 
I think it's perfectly understandable for any of us to be uh, nervous, concerned, worried uh, about the winter. And I think we all hold that from, for many different reasons. And I think the most important thing for us all because uh, Kilkenny is a wonderful, great sense of communities, communities within communities, ourselves, that we, we stick together. We stand together, we stay together, we lead each other and care for each other uh, and be mindful of our neighbours. And I know that's nothing to do with retail, but you know what? Life isn't about retail, it's about caring and being there for each other. And that's something you've reflected on the signage that you have in it together, I think it is, or stronger together. Stronger stronger together. Um, And and that's where I think we'll make uh, the winter a little bit brighter for everyone. Heidi Good from Goods in Kilkenny ending the note on a very appropriate uh, ending the programme on a very appropriate note. Stronger together uh, and indeed we are through what's been a very difficult week and more difficult times together or in, we face in the future. We'll get through them all. KCLR will be here for you and we'll be back next week talking about some very smart technology in use in the hospitality industry uh, in dealing with their change times and we'll be talking about getting your head in the right space for these difficult times. Thanks to all my guests this week, Samantha McCochran, B. O'Grady and all the stall holders in Mountain View and best wishes especially to them all there and I hope they make a speedy return to business and don't forget the Greenhouse Restaurant in Mountain View remains open and as I said, support all responsible local business. To Declan Rice, to Detective Chief Superintendent Patrick Lorden and to Heidi Good, thank you for listening. Deirdre Drummy produced the programme. If you'd like to make contact with us, you can contact us at the bottom line at kclr96fm.com. Until next Saturday, thank you for listening. Have a good week. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie